Uh, well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's a great day, great morning of worship, great time together. And God is moving and God is working. And it's just been an awesome weekend and so thankful for the way God is alive in our lives and alive in his church. And uh, so many good things that are happening. This morning, we're continuing our series called Defining Moments. And in this series, we're talking about those defining moments of our life. And if you look at the kind of the graphic here, you can see that our life is a journey. And there's ups and there's downs. And there's joys and there's struggles. And for all of us, we have those times that we look back on our life. And, and some are just incredible times and great times. And, and we just rejoice. And then there's other times that were hard and challenging and difficult. But you know what? We look back and we see God's grace and God's mercy and God's love and God's faithfulness to us. To carry us through the journey. And the fact that we're even here today and the fact that we have breath in our lungs means God's not finished with us. You know? God still has more for us to do and there are more defining moments that will come. And so think about your own story. I do encourage you in this series to kind of write out some of those defining moments. And maybe for you it was your baptism. I mean, maybe for you it was you know, joining a church. Maybe for you it was your first job or getting married or having a first child. Those are defining moments, but also even some of the harder times, the difficult times, because God shapes us in the middle of that. I was thinking about us as a nation. You know, we have a corporate story. We have defining moments that have shaped us as a country. And every civilization has had those defining moments. For us, you know, I was thinking back the last hundred years. You remember life before the internet? I mean, the internet has been a defining moment. It has shaped the way we work, the way we live, the way we shop. I mean, it, it has really had a huge impact. It's a defining moment. I think about, you know, Kitty Hawk in 1903 and the Wright brothers and flight. Can you imagine traveling before that? I mean, now you can be anywhere in the world in less than 24 hours. That's awesome. And that's a defining moment. We can go anywhere. We can travel. We can see family and friends and extended family. We can go on mission trips and do things. Defining moment. I think about, you know, a man on the moon. Who would have ever dreamed that? That was a defining moment in the last hundred years, you know? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind shaped the heavens, what we get to see, you know, God's glory, God's greatness. Man, it shaped us. I think about our smartphone, you know? I mean, you remember life before the phone? You remember life before, you know, you used to, like, you know, go places and do things. Now you leave home and you don't have your phone. You're like, how am I going to make it today? I don't know if I can make it. You know, I don't have my phone. It's, it's shaped us. It's defined us. I asked my girls, I said, girls, what do you think the defining moment is for us? You know, and what's been a big defining moment that's happened? And they said, the creation of the donut. I said, you're right, girls. You know, I mean, who doesn't love donuts? Right. And I think nothing more has shaped us as a country, but anyway, you know, so, but there are defining moments for us that our story and our corporate story and individual story. Now in our series, we're walking through a defining moment for Christianity. We're seeing the time that, that God moved and opened the gospel to everybody. You see, when we open the book of Acts, the, the Holy Spirit comes there at Pentecost and the church explodes on the scene. And we see in the early part of Acts, you know, there's 3,000 people part of the church and then there's 5,000. Many people estimate 20,000, but they're all Jewish and they're all in Jerusalem. And God said, I have a heart for the nations. I have a heart for all people. I want people to know me. The Great Commission, Jesus gave it right. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and so we come to Acts chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11, which we've been digging into. And we see how persecution came and the people spread. And as these disciples spread, they took the gospel to all people. And now the gospel spreading. And praise God for that because, hey, we were Gentiles, many of us, right? 
And now we know Jesus and the gospel has come to us. It was a defining time in God's redemptive story. And God has a part for us to play in that story. And we're going to find out more about that today. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10. Acts is in the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. And then you come to the book of Acts and we're going to unpack this. I love this chapter, so I'm excited about today. <laughs> Hope you're ready. And uh, we are going to be looking there. Also, if you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures online. If you have an iPad or phone with you or some way to, to access the scriptures, then we'll put the words on the screen. So we'll be in Acts chapter 10 today. Now, so far in our series, we said, number one, the greatest defining moment in any person's life is salvation. The greatest defining moment in any person's life is salvation. As God draws you to himself, as God invites you into this relationship with him. And it's not about what you do, it's about what he's done. It's about what God's done for you when he sent his son Jesus who paid the price on the cross. And when you get this relationship right with God, then everything else kind of falls into place. So everything hinges on salvation. And maybe you're here today and somebody invited you and you're kind of checking this whole Christianity thing out. I'm glad you're here. Because I believe God has a word for you today. The second defining moment in our spiritual journey comes this, when we go public with our faith. When we step out and we say, God, I know it's an inward faith, but there's an outward expression. The Bible talks about repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Baptism follows your repentance. Last Sunday night, we had a great celebration. We were out here in the gallery and we had all these people up here. There were so many people who were being baptized in Christ and moms and dads. And I mean, there was this one, you know, mom who was being baptized and her daughter was standing on the side and her mom was, her little daughter was going, you did it, mommy, you did it, mommy. You know, and I was like, oh, that was awesome. You know, I mean, it was just so sweet. Brother baptizing his sister and dad baptizing daughter. And the people taking that stand and saying, I am a follower of Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus, pushing past the fear, pushing past the obstacles and saying, I'm going to follow Jesus and all glory to him. Now we come to the third defining moment and it's this vision, vision. So look here in Acts chapter 10, verse one, it says at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. Now, the Roman army was dominant, okay? I mean, probably the best army the world has ever seen. They, um, they conquered everything. It was the Roman Empire. So they're over this entire area. Uh, you know, this guy was a leader in the army. He was a centurion. So he was in charge of a lot of men. He was a soldier. He was a warrior. But there was something different about him. Look at verse 2. It says, He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So here's a guy who's not Jewish, right? He's Roman. And the Romans and the Jews didn't really like each other a whole lot because the Romans were over the Jews, you know, and the Jews were in submission to them. But this guy knew that the Roman pagan gods weren't going to do it. You know, he'd watched enough around. He saw that those idols weren't making anything happen. And there was a longing in his heart for something more. And so he's praying to God, the one true God. He's seeking God. God, I want a relationship with you. It says, one day about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Now church, I tell you, I think that's pretty amazing. What I love about this is that God knows your name. God calls this guy by name. Have you ever thought about that, that God knows your name? That you're not a number to him. You're not just an afterthought to him. You are special to him. The Bible says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. The Bible says that you're the apple of his eye. He loves you. 
So Cornelius has this vision and he, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor. Now notice those things go together. They go together throughout scripture, in fact. There's over 2,500 verses about the poor in the Bible. God has a heart for the poor. God has a heart for the broken. God has a heart for the disadvantaged. And, and this guy was praying and this guy was helping out. And it says, your, your, your prayers and your gift to the poor have has come as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and he sent them to Joppa. So here's a guy, right? Caesarea is about 30 miles from Joppa. Joppa's over there. Caesarea is this beautiful area. This guy's successful. He's made a lot of money. He's done really well, obviously. But in his heart, he knew there was more. And in his heart, God was inviting him into a relationship. And he has this vision of God. Now, simultaneously, all right? I love this because I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God incidences, you know? And so look at what's happening here. It says, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So Cornelius sends these guys. They're making the journey over to Joppa. Peter is in Joppa. Now, this is the same Peter who is one of the disciples. This is one of the 12 disciples that followed Jesus for three years. In fact, Peter, James, and John were kind of one of those three that were intimately involved with Jesus. And here's Peter. This is the same Peter who denied Christ. The same Peter that was reinstated in John chapter 21. This is the same Peter that the Holy Spirit came upon in Acts chapter 2. Stood up at Pentecost and preached and 3,000 believed. Same Peter that, you know, was a leader in the early church. And he has been following out. He has been a disciple of Jesus. Now, you look at a lot of people say that there's been about 10 years since Jesus has ascended into heaven. 10 years until we get to Acts chapter 10. And for 10 years, Peter's been serving faithfully. But now God has a vision for Peter, a greater vision. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by the four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So Peter has this vision of this sheet coming down and all these different animals on this sheet. And this vision says, get up, kill and eat. And Peter is a devout Jew, right? I mean, he grew up Jewish. And, and if you go back in the Old Testament, there were dietary laws about what you could eat and you couldn't eat. That was really brilliant too, by the way. If you go back and you look, you know, God and just his sovereignty knew his people. They didn't have refrigeration back then. You know, there were things that they could have eaten that would have killed them. So God gave them laws about that and God gave them rules. But now God is saying, hey, there's bigger. I'm doing something bigger. I'm doing something grander. Get up, kill and eat, Peter. And Peter's looking at this sheet going, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. That's pretty strong. Now, I'm glad this happened for a couple of reasons. Number one, because on that sheet was probably a pig, so that put bacon into play. Praise God for that, you know, because before you couldn't have had that, right? Lobsters come into play. I mean, just that opened the door for a lot of things. But the bigger issue here is what God was doing globally. And what God was saying is, I have a heart for all people. 
And you've been kind of in your holy huddle, Peter, and things have been going great there in Jerusalem. But I'm, I'm bigger than just the Jews. I have a plan for all people. I want all people to know me because salvation is that defining moment in anybody's life. This happened three times. Here's Peter. You're thinking, okay, he's been a disciple of Jesus. He would get it the first time, but, you know, he's kind of like us. I mean, like me many times and just like, okay, can you do that again? You know, this happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision. So Peter's thinking about this. What do you mean? Get up, kill and eat. Nothing is impure. The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and he said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. Here's the third defining moment. It's this. When God gives you a vision for your life, when God gives you a vision for your life, and God wants to speak to you, God wants to speak to me. Now, a lot of us are going, well, I haven't seen a sheet lower down, you know, I mean, that hasn't happened to me. But the fact is this, sometimes God speaks through a sheet, sometimes God speaks through a still, small voice. Have you ever been praying? You know what I'm talking about here? Have you ever been praying, and there's just something that is in your heart, and you're going, okay, God, is, is that you? Because I didn't come up with that, you know, and I don't know, that's not me, I really wouldn't do that, that's kind of not my thing, but is that you? And God's going, that's me. (laughs) That's me. God can speak in a dream. God can speak in a vision. God can speak through his still small voice. But you and I know what we're talking about. That God speaks to us. And maybe God says to you, you know, sometime, hey, you need to go pray with this person because they're going through a really hard time. You're like, I don't know about that guy. You know, or maybe God's saying to you, hey, I want you to go on this mission trip. Or maybe God's saying to you, I want you to be in a small group. Or maybe God's saying to you, I want you to, you're just like, uh, And God's going, listen, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. Trust me. Hold on to me. Follow me. God wants to speak to all of us. And it may come a year in our journey or five years in our journey or 10 years in our journey or 20 years in our journey. But the fact is God isn't finished with any of us. And God still has a vision for all of us. And God wants to do something great. Now the challenge for us happens just like Peter, right? We hear this vision from God. We hear this next step in our journey from God. And our immediate response is, surely not, Lord. (laughs) I mean, not me. I mean, uh, come on. I mean, really, I'm too busy. I don't have time, you know, I mean, God, I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't have enough money. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't give. I can't go. I can't serve. I can't, I can't, I can't. And God just keeps going, listen, it's the vision. And I'm doing something bigger than you could dream, bigger than you could imagine. Are you going to step into it? Are you going to follow? Are you going to be obedient? What does Peter do? I mean, you got to think, this is a big deal for Peter. I mean, here's these guys knocking at the door, and they're saying, we're from a centurion's house. We want you to come over there. And Peter's going, one, he's a Gentile. I don't want to go. Two, it's a Roman soldier. I saw Jesus being crucified by the Romans. Uh, I don't know how this is going to really go down. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa went along. 
And the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. So Peter arrives, and there's a house full of people there. You know, Peter had to go, right? It's called faith. He had to step out. He had to follow. But when he arrives, Cornelius had called all of his friends. He'd called all of his relatives. Here's a guy who's not even a Christian yet, and he's saying, I want you to come and hear about Jesus. And so many times, those of us who've walked with Jesus for a long time, been disciples, we're scared to invite somebody to church. We're scared to like, you know, and this guy's like, hey, come on. Everybody come on over. I want you to hear. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside. He found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you're well aware of it. That it is against our law that a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? God was doing something great in Peter's life. And Peter had just locked in on this one thing. You know, there was this prejudice even in his heart. And he was saying, no, I love all people, Peter. And I've used you in a great way there in Jerusalem. But I've got something even bigger. I've got something even bigger. Sometimes in our lives, you know, we can think, oh, it's the gospel's just for us. The gospel's just for me or my family or my community. You know, the gospel's for all people. You know, Jesus wasn't white, right? I mean, Jesus loves all people. All nations are important to him. And when you and I begin to engage in the heartbeat of God, when you and I begin to serve, when you and I begin to reach out of just our little zone, God does something huge in our lives. And God's inviting us to be a part of his bigger story. And God has a plan for you. I want you to hear from Kelly Mentor. Kelly is uh, just a woman who loves the Lord. Many of you know Kelly because Kelly was our interim worship leader at one time several years ago. And and Kelly writes a lot of Bible studies and and, uh, speaks all over women's conferences. But several years ago, Kelly, uh, God gave you a a big vision. And uh, it was something that wasn't expected. It was just kind of out of the blue. And God called you. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just doing my thing here in the United States and a friend of mine uh, invited me to go to the Amazon jungle and it was someone that I worked with and someone who had helped uh, really was one of the founders of this ministry to the forgotten people of the Amazon. And I, I knew that I was supposed to go, but I was going through a difficult time in my life. Um, it was a, just some depression and a lot of anxiety and it just did not feel at all like a good time to go or a doable time to go. And I remember reading uh, through the book of, in the book of Judges where the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and um, wanted him to be a warrior. And Gideon just said, I, I can't, I'm just this one man and I, I just can't go up against, I believe it was the Midianites. And, uh, and, and the angel of the Lord said, go in the strength that you have. And I knew that that was God's word to me as well uh, in that moment that even though I didn't feel like I had any strength to go get on a boat that is two-story where you sleep on hammocks and you wind yourself through the Amazon, I didn't feel like I had any strength or capacity for that. But I did have a heart for missions. I did have a heart for the poor. And the Lord just said, go in the strength that you have. And that was a real moment for me. And so I went. Wow. Yeah. So you you come to this defining moment, basically. You go there. Tell me what happened when you went. Well, I had an incredible peace when I got there. And that was something because when you're on a reliably 
uh, dependable boat <laughs> in the middle of the Amazon, sleeping in a hammock with the alligators and the you know anacondas and all that kind of stuff. To have peace is is in, incredible, and I had an I had an amazing peace. I also realized um, how in many ways frail and thin my American gospel was, if you will, my culture and my understanding of of mm-hmm. Jesus and his good news, uh, suddenly what f- was very easy for me to speak to, uh, speak about in settings like this, suddenly when I was in the middle of huts, uh, standing in, you know, dirt, on dirt mounds in the middle of the jungle where people had very, very little, suddenly I wasn't sure what I was supposed to bring them, what I was supposed to say. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's when the Lord really showed me that the gospel is transcendent Mm -hmm. and I needed to be in that sort of a setting to know what I believed about the gospel. Because Mm -hmm. if God is only good in the West when we have air conditioning and health insurance and college educations, if he's only good here, then he's not, he's not good. Mm -hmm. And I, I began to realize where my understanding of the gospel is lacking. And then to meet people that were believers in the jungle and the incredible faith that they had and the reliance upon the Holy Spirit, mm. upon um, the Lord in prayer and the miracles that they were seeing. I mean, you know, yes, I was there to try to give to them, but they were absolutely giving to me in much greater capacity. Yeah, that's amazing. Which you, I know you've experienced that. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you wrote a book uh, right here, uh, Wherever the River Runs. And tell us about this book, because this is based on really your experience there in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Well, after taking a number of trips, I just realized that there were stories from the Amazon that I wanted to be able to tell. And since I since I write for a living, it just, I couldn't not write about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, also a, a real theme throughout the book is uh, a man named John Pack. And he was really kind of the founder of the ministry in the Amazon. And for those of you who don't know, John Pack actually passed away of cancer a year and a half ago. And he willed the, the ministry that he had founded in the Amazon, including a million dollar building that sits in the middle of the jungle and the boat that I was originally afraid to get on and uh, the staff, all that, he willed that right over to Justice and Mercy International. And so I was writing the book as all of this was happening and as all of this was unfolding before our eyes. And it was so the Lord because there's just no way we, any of us could have dreamed it up. I mean, Mary Catherine, who just began to work for JMI here in the last year and a half, she just said to me the other day, she said, you know, Kelly, we're not that good. Uh, we're not that smart. We couldn't, this couldn't possibly be us because we're just not smart enough to have thought this, this out, you know? And so I detail the lives of the people in the Amazon. I detail some of the amazing miracles and stories that are there. I also talk about John's life and I also talk about Justice and Mercy International mm-hmm. and how, how God raised up that organization mm-hmm. to inherit um, this ministry in Brazil. And then also what God did in my own life and how it took me going to the Amazon to see the poor in my own backyard and in my own community and how important it is for us to be reaching those right here where we live mm-hmm. because we don't live there. We mm-hmm. live here and there's a huge mission field right here. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. As many of you know, uh, church, we started going to Moldova the year we started as a church. So 11 years ago and doing mission work there with the poor and with the orphans. And, and so then about five years after that, we, uh, felt like we needed to do greater ministry. And so we started Justice and Mercy International, a nonprofit to do work. And, and it's just been amazing to see what God's done and there in Moldova and in the Amazon. And, and, uh, I love your heart for JMI and, uh, we have books for sale. They just came out. They're $15 at 
the booth, the JMI booth, but she's given all the proceeds to JMI. And, and uh, it's just amazing to see. And then this summer, uh, God called you to go to Moldova and mm-hmm. you had never been. Tell me about that and how that worked out. Right. Well, I've been hearing about Moldova for the last several years. In fact, probably how many of you, you know, you come and you hear and many of you have gone. And I am very invested in JMI um, a lot because of Jeff and Steve and, and Mary Catherine and the community here in Rolling Hills. And then also because of my investment in the Amazon. And so I knew that I needed to see the work in Moldova. I just knew that I did because of my investment with JMI. But honestly, I didn't have the clear vision at all to go to Moldova a few months ago that I had for Brazil. And in, and in fact, for months and months, I didn't feel a clear calling to go at all. It was more just a practical, well, I need to go see this work because of JMI. And, but I, but I really wanted something more from the Lord. I I mean, I would have totally taken the sheet coming down. You know, I, I wanted something like I just like how the Lord had spoke to me out of judges and in to go to Brazil. But then I just got to this place where I thought, you know what? The Lord is always there when we care for the poor and when we seek the poor. And he just has kind of laid that out for us in scripture. And so I just thought, you just can't kind of go wrong with that. So go ahead and buy me my ticket, you know, or I'll buy my ticket from Moldova and, and just go with it. And so I really went without a real clear, crystal clear vision, other than I just felt like it was the next practical step that I needed to see the work there. And I told the earlier service that now I just have a huge problem because I, I love the people of Moldova. Like I love the people in the Amazon. And I didn't think there was room in my heart because I was so vested in the Amazon. I just, I really just didn't even want to open my heart up more because I just didn't think that there was room, but Mm -hmm. there is every time you meet an orphan or you, you meet a child that's living in a shelter, which we'll see a video of in a moment, or, um, these, 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 uh, young boys and girls that are in the transitional living program that JMI sponsors. Mm -hmm. It's just unbelievable when you begin to talk to these girls. I mean, one teenage girl in that program, she told me, um, that her favorite book in the Bible, she'd been an orphan her whole life. Her favorite book in the Bible was Job. And, and I'm like depressed by nature anyhow. So I, we, I was like, you're going to be my friend forever and ever and ever. Like you're 16 and your favorite book of the Bible is Job. And you're, you have those kinds of conversations. And, and um, you know, so it was just, it was just amazing. And um, mm. I should clarify, I'm not truly depressed by nature, but I, I bend that way. And so people that love like a book like Job and an orphan in Moldova, I'm like, I'm going to have to come back just for you for, you know, and, mm. and so I don't know how I'm going to fit these trips in and, but I'm so, so glad that I went and just to be part of, you know, and even if you can't go, I mean, that's the beauty is being able to sponsor a child or something because there are people, there are staff that is there. And so you can be a part no matter how you, how it works for your family or for you. Yeah. I think we've got a clip. I'd love to show this clip of you with a child in Moldova. It's great. Talk about sponsors. I am here in Moldova with Justice and Mercy International, and uh, I've got a little one in my arms right now. This is exactly the type of child that Justice and Mercy International seeks to meet the needs of. Her father passed away, and her mother is unable to take care of her, and right now she's living in a little shelter. It is such a blessing to be able to be here and literally demonstrate the love of God um, for children just like this. One of the things that surprised me the most about this country is just how stunning it is. It is absolutely gorgeous. The soil is rich. There are gardens everywhere. There are cows. There are sheep. And most importantly, there are beautiful people 
that uh, are desperate um, for the love of Christ. Um, it reminds me of 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, where John is writing to the fellowship of believers, and he says that we are to love with the love of Jesus in action and in truth. And I think that's what I love the most about being part of JMI, is that we get to love in the truth, sharing the love of Jesus, the truth of the gospel with these children, which will change their lives forever. And we also get to love in action and help meet the needs in very tangible, practical ways. So I want to invite you today, just for $40 a month, um, you can make an enormous difference. Yes, ma'am. You can make an enormous difference in the life of a child just like this one. That's not going to get us sponsors. <laughs> Kelly, thank you. Thanks for the difference that you make. Thanks for how much you mean to us and this, that we're on this journey together and God's using you in a great way and we're so grateful. Oh, I'm so, thank you. so glad to be a part of it. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thank thanks, Kelly. Appreciate you. Uh, I do encourage you, if you're not yet sponsoring a child, I mean, it's only $40 a month, and you can stop by the JMF booth, and Lisa and I have sponsored a child, multiple children over the years, and it's just amazing the difference you can make. I mean, $40 a month, I mean, what's that, three Starbucks? I mean, you know, come on, you know, we can all do that, right? And so I know so many of you are, but what a difference you can make. Let me give you real quick five keys, five keys to knowing God's vision for your life. Five keys, I believe, to knowing God's vision for your life that we see here in this passage. Number one, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Cornelius was praying, right? Peter went up on the roof to pray. If you're looking at your life and you're saying, God, what vision do you have for me? God, what do you want to do with my life? It starts with prayer. Now, a lot of times we think about prayer and we always think about talking to God. Uh, God, here's my list. Here's what I need. You know, I'm in trouble financially. I need help here, da, da, da. But, but prayer is also listening. Prayer is removing the noise from our lives and listening to the voice of God. And God will speak. I promise you. As you just listen, God will speak. So it starts with prayer. Number two is this. It comes when you are faithful. It comes when you are faithful. It, you know what? Cornelius was being faithful. He was being faithful to his family. He was looking out for them. He was being faithful to give generously to the poor. He was taking care of the people around him. Peter was being a faithful disciple. It starts with you and I being faithful. I mean, being at church, growing in the Lord, discipleship. I mean, those things are important. Number three, it's this. It always involves serving others. It always involves serving others. You know, the vision for your life just isn't simply self-gratification. You know, oh, God gave me a vision for a bigger house and a nicer car and more money. And like, no, the American dream gave you that vision, right? God gave you a vision for using what you have for his glory. Now, it's nice that God blesses us with things. I mean, praise God. Thank God, you know, and enjoy. But, but also don't just say it's all about me. God's vision will include serving others. And maybe that starts at home with your family. Maybe it starts with your neighborhood, with your community. Maybe it starts locally and then internationally, but somehow serving others. Number four is this. It requires obedience. It requires obedience. There will come a time when God will call you to step out. There will come a time when you have to act on that vision. Cornelius sent some guys to get this Jewish guy. Cornelius is like, I'm a soldier. What am I going to learn from this guy, right? Peter, go to this guy's house. I don't know about this, God. That's why it's called faith. There's a time of obedience where you step out, where you go, okay, I'll get involved. I'll join God in what he's doing. And then number five is this. It results in joy. <laughs> it results in joy. I love that. You're listening to Kelly talk, and you just see her light up because of the joy of going and serving. 
Peter goes, and while he's there, he shares the gospel. He just tells them about Jesus. He says, hey, I thought it was just for the Jews. Now I see it's for everybody. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they would be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I got to tell you, it's amazing. Revival breaks out there. There's a joy there. It's unbelievable. I remember going on my first mission trip and I remember going and, and I was there and I was just thinking, wow, God, I don't know. I'm just a different culture, different people. And we became like the best of friends. And I thought, these are the coolest people in the world. And then God sent me to another place. And I thought, these people are amazing and watching God move and watching God work. And it was like, wow, God is working and God's inviting you. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, I want to tell you the defining moment is salvation. And God's vision for you is that you become a child of his. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, God's not finished with your story. And I would say just this. Pray about the vision that God has for your family. Start at home. Start at home. You know, we always go to work and we make these strategic plans. We come up with vision statements and mission statements. And then it's like, you know, your family is kind of like an afterthought, you know. But you only have a short amount of time with your children or your grandchildren. You know, what is your plan? How, what is God saying to you? What difference can you make there? And then start in your community. God, give me a vision for the people around me. Give me a vision for my neighborhood. Give me a vision for my apartment complex. Give me a vision for this community. And then say, God, give me a world vision. A vision that's bigger than me. A vision that only you can do. And God, I trust you. I go forward in you. God wants to do great things in your life. As a church, God's given us an incredible vision. It's not just for us to be a holy huddle. I mean, God's doing great things and I love it and it's wonderful. But God is saying there's people out there that need Jesus. Let people know. Share the love of Christ. There's people around us all over Franklin and Spring Hill and Columbia and Brentwood and Nashville that need Jesus. There's people like this centurion who are calling out and going, what is truth? And where do I find truth? And where do I find hope? And where do I find peace? And where do I find purpose for my life? But you know what also? There's the poor of the world and the broken and the forgotten. And God has entrusted so much to us. And he says, you've been blessed in order to be a blessing. In order to make the difference in the life of somebody else. And as a church, we want to do that. We want to step into that. That's when we go to Moldova. That's when we go to the Amazon. That's when we go to South Africa. And we had amazing mission trips this summer. But God continues to call us. And we lock arms and we go forward together. I don't know where you are today, but I know this. God is here. And God speaks through his word. And God has a plan and a vision for you. And I want to invite our worship team to come. I want to invite you just to bow your head just for a moment. Just you and God. Just you and the Lord. What's God saying to you today? What's God speaking to you about today? Maybe in your life, in your story, you're just saying, man, you know, it starts at home. With my spouse or with my children, with my grandkids. God, I'm yours. And sometimes it's challenging, sometimes it's hard, but God, I'm yours. Maybe today God's just saying to you, locally, 
What about the people around you at work? What about the people in your community? Or maybe today God's saying, all right, it's time. (laughs) Maybe it's a mission trip. Maybe it's sponsoring a child. Maybe it's being in a small group. I don't know what it is. But God has a plan for us. And God has a plan for you. Trust him. Listen. And follow.